Good morning. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Josiah, and I am the grateful creator and host of this podcast. I am a New Yorker living in Minnesota. I am a spouse. I am a clinically trained chaplain. I am an addict living with an eating disorder, PTSD, and other mental illnesses. Let's get started. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast, it's probably not um, uh, weird to you um, that I said all of the things that I just said in my introduction, because a lot of you who listen to the podcast know me personally, (laughs) if not all of you who listen to the podcast. (laughs) Um, Now... I have decided to change my introduction because, um, one, I think that it is important for me to remember as somebody who is a recovering addict and um, somebody in recovery from an eating disorder that it is really important for me to stay connected to that truth, especially since during quarantine I am not able to gather with others in the 12-step community, um, at least in person, right? Secondly, I'm reading the book Unsubscribe right now. It's a book by Josh Corda. Josh Corda, you've heard me mention before, he is the guiding teacher of Dharma Punks NYC in Brooklyn. Josh Korda is a teacher of the Dharma. Uh, he is not a priest in the Zen lineage or anything like that. Um, he is a secular teacher trained in the uh, Dharma punks model of Buddhism. Dharma punks is a community of Zen Buddhists who... Uh, have done their best to marry the the pain and suffering of life, the life is suffering model, right? And all the suffering they've experienced, the raw pain of suffering and addiction and mental illness with their teaching and experience of the Dharma. Josh Korda tells the story um, in his book and in his podcast that when he was, uh, after he had suffered a lot in his life, he finally felt like he had arrived. He got a a job in advertising. He was um, making a lot of money. He felt very successful. And then uh, on September 11th, 2001, he was walking to work and noticed two giant black clouds of smoke coming from the World Trade Center and then watched one of the towers collapse, knowing full well that a lot of people were going to die. He said he walked around in a weird stupor, a haze, 
kind of like a zombie, just not sure if he was alive or not, and what his purpose was, why he was doing what he was doing. And it was then that he decided to commit himself fully to exploring the teachings of Buddhism. He began to practice Zazen a little uh, more intentionally, and then he became trained by Noah Levine, the great Zen Buddhist teacher who started the Dharma Punks community. And Josh Korda is one of the leading voices in Dharma Punks. And he is the guiding teacher and pastoral caregiver at Dharma Punks NYC. Josh says that when that he was kind of frustrated <clears throat> with the fact that he would go to different temples and meditation centers and he would sit and listen to Dharma talks from Zen priests and Dharma teachers who just didn't seem to be quite in touch with humanity and with real raw human suffering. They seemed like unrelatable people. Josh wanted somebody relatable. Somebody who was an addict like him. Somebody who suffered from PTSD and other mental illnesses like him. Somebody who had seen the carnage that he had seen in his life. And when he finally met Noah, he realized he could do it because Noah, when he opened his sessions, did so with a raw honesty and transparency he had not experienced in spiritual leaders. My number one value in this lifetime, if I had to pick one that was my number one, it would be transparency. It is the thing that has been my greatest tool, I believe, in my pastoral caregiving, in my teaching, in my spiritual leadership. And I want to make sure that whoever listens to this podcast is aware that you're not just listening to some white married guy living in the suburbs who has comfortably uh, gotten in touch with himself or who was suffering for years but now is not suffering. No, no, I continue to suffer. I continue to crave, to attach myself to things, to want things that I can't have, and I suffer. I am an addict in recovery. That means I am sober. I'm not using my drugs of choice. I am uh, working hard in my recovery process. I am also recovering from an eating disorder. That's no small thing, right? 
I have uh, bulimia nervosa, and I did intensive outpatient treatment for my uh, eating disorder, and I'm currently in what we call a transition group. So yes, I must confess, over the past several weeks of this podcast, I have been in treatment for an eating disorder. Surprise! (laughs) Um, I'm okay. I'm doing well. Um, I must say that I owe... I believe I owe all of my successes to my practice and to my conception of the higher power. God, which I refer to in a Talithian way as the God, as the ground of all being. So now that you know a little bit more about me and my story, feel free to ask questions. You can leave comments. Please uh, review, write a review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast. You know, give us a a a five out of five or a one out of five or however many stars and write a review. That's how people get to know this podcast. You can ask me questions. I can. I will also leave my email in the show notes so that you can click on the link and shoot me an email. I will respond to all of your emails if you have questions or thoughts that you want to share with me. I find it very important to not just read, but to respond. So I will do that. Okay, so after that new introduction, we are continuing with our series on spiritual practice and, um, and teachings. This series began with the Four Noble Truths and the Noble Eightfold Path found in the teachings of the Buddha and within Buddhist traditions. I am teaching those traditions from a Zen Buddhist perspective as I am a practicing Zen Buddhist. I practice Buddhism not because I think it's the next cool thing to do. I practice Buddhism because it was the practice of Buddhism And the teachings and the learnings that arose from that practice that helped me stick with my recovery. Nothing else seemed to be working, but that has worked. But before I was a Buddhist... I was a 100% devoted Christian, grew up a fundamentalist evangelical Christian, very conservative, 
you know, voted Republican, like my parents and my grandparents and my church. I was told at the age of five that I was going to be a great preacher someday. And at the age of nine, I was told that I would be the next pastor and that I should look forward to that. I took these things very seriously because as a, as a kid, I had adults telling me that this is what was going to happen. So I committed myself to this. And then I went to college, and in college, my faith was rattled by a number of things. One being that I met a lot of people who claimed to be a part of the LGBTQ plus community and felt that they were not welcome in churches. And that was painful for me to hear. One, because I identify as queer, as pansexual, but also because I was hiding that fact. And I was hiding a lot of my life. I couldn't figure out who I was. And it was during that season, probably around sophomore year, that I started really acting out in my addiction. And developed a pretty bad reputation for myself in this small fundamentalist Christian college. Then I took some time off to work and then I went to seminary and a Lutheran seminary. Um, I served as a pastor of two churches for a little while. And it was during that season that my addiction was at its worst. And I made some decisions that were really harmful decisions. And those decisions cost me a lot. I lost my job, my vocation for a season as a pastor. I was told you cannot be a Lutheran pastor because of your behaviors. Now I have to say, this was the right thing to do. I had made some, some harmful decisions that have repercussions. And the people that kicked me out did so because they thought that that was the only option. They felt that was the only option they had. Now, they didn't do it in the most gracious or compassionate way. And I was very wounded by their conduct in kicking me out because it felt like public shaming. And when that happened, that's when I was diagnosed with PTSD. That's when I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. My entire life shifted. I began experiencing eating disorder symptoms, but didn't recognize them that way. And I didn't get better. I got worse and worse and worse.
So that leads us to our teachings for today, the Beatitudes. Although I do not identify myself as solely a Christian any longer, I do hold on to some of my former Christian beliefs, recognizing that beliefs do not define my spiritual experience anymore. Jesus is very important to me. His teachings matter to me. And I am married to a Lutheran Christian. And many of my family members and her family members identify as Christians. And so it's important to me not to push Christianity away, but to continue to drink deeply from its well. My favorite, some of my favorite writings in Christianity are found in the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Yesterday we talked about the first beatitude, which is found in the Sermon on the Mount, and it is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We reframed that, and in Dharma language we said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the end of suffering. So cool. This is today we have the second beatitude. There are nine beatitudes in full. The second beatitude is Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Take a deep breath with me. Breathe out. Take a moment and listen. Close your eyes wherever you are and just listen. Notice what you hear. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Thank you. In the practice of Lectio Divina, we visited Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, verse 4. So what does it mean to mourn? Let's start there. Well, in the story I shared with you earlier, I experienced deep mourning. But I didn't want to mourn, so I suppressed my mourning. Mourning is the first, very first stage of grief. Mourning is what happens right after you get the news that you've lost something or someone. So you might experience some shock, instant tears. You know, there's all kinds of ways in which people react when they first get bad news. I have had to tell people As a chaplain, 
I've had to tell multiple people that their loved one died. I've had to be the bearer of bad news, the angel of death, so to speak. And that is a shitty job. It is the hardest part of my work. It was, at least. And I watched people react in all kinds of ways. But what follows the initial shock is mourning, if you allow it. Mourning is the, the internal agony, the wailing at the wall, the crumpling to your knees, bent over, sobbing in the fetal position. It is the anger at your higher power. It is the blaming, the placing of blame on others or on other things. If this had not happened, then my loved one would not have died. If I had closed the door, my dog would not have run out in traffic. We may even experience hatred during our mourning. We experience a whole deluge of emotions. When I lost my role as a Lutheran pastor, I lost, I felt like I lost my chances at a future. I felt like I lost my identity. And I was in deep mourning. When I lost my grandfather, who I was very close with, who passed away in 2013 due to the effects of cancer. I mourned. When I lost my friend Dan to suicide, I mourned. When I lost several of my patients to overdose and suicide, I mourned. I, ha I suffered a really tragic loss <clears throat> In 2009, and I mourned deeply. This is the time in the Jewish community where people would sit Shiva. It's literally built into their spiritual practice to take time off and to sit and mourn. To not uh, suppress their feelings, but to engage with their feelings, to befriend their feelings, to invite those hard feelings, that anger and that sadness and that despair and that disbelief, and to give it a spot on the couch right next to you. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is a word of promise. But how do I practice this beatitude? Well, one, I mourn. I actually allow myself to mourn my losses. I don't just pick myself up and dust myself off and move on to the next thing. And no, I don't sit around and just mope and bitch either. I just allow myself to be the most authentic version of myself. For what else and who else am I going to be? I'm going to sit and I'm going to sit in my feelings. I'm going to sit in that darkness. I am going to recognize that grief is a gift. It is what I have to help me process my losses. And if I don't, we have learned in the grief and loss field that if we do not allow ourselves to grieve losses, it will come out sideways at some point. It will show up in a destructive way later on in our lives. So allow yourself that mourning. And I love that Jesus is saying this because Jesus mourned. There are places in the Gospels where Jesus is openly mourning. When his friend Lazarus dies, he stands at the tomb and he weeps. He mourns this death. For they will be comforted. This is an invitation, one, to mourn and to draw near to those who mourn. Two, to mourn as if you know that the comfort is on its way. And that the comfort, if it's not coming from others, or if it doesn't feel like it's coming from others, that I have the comfort within. If I allow myself to mourn, the comfort starts to push its way through the morning. The comfort is the pink blossom under the ice and cold that pushes its way through the dirt and the ash from the ruins of our burned life. What if I mourned as if I knew comfort was available? Maybe not immediate comfort, but that comfort in general exists. Where does it exist? Blessed are those who mourn for they will have a bed and a comfy blanket and a pillow to cry into. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will have 
a day off or a week off from work or four months off if you're on furlough. Blessed are those who mourn for they will have an extra cup of tea. Blessed are those who mourn for they will have a hug. The hug may not come from someone you had hoped it would come from, but it will come. Blessed are those who mourn for they will have ice cream directly out of the carton. (laughs) Blessed are those who mourn, for they will have space to talk about their feelings. Blessed are those who mourn, for they are not fucking alone. Blessed are those who mourn, for they are not alone. Because everybody loses something. Whether it's a job, a relationship, a loved one, a pet, your keys, your wallet, we all lose stuff. Some stuff to a greater degree than others. This COVID-19 season is bringing about unimaginable loss. And our country, just like 9-11, is grieving, is mourning. And many of us don't want to. So we are suppressing, we're pushing away, and we're trying to fight. We are attaching ourselves to the desire not to mourn, not to suffer. We aren't doing ourselves any favors, are we? We're just upsetting ourselves more. We get depressed and anxious and we sit around and we cry or we have outbursts of anger at our loved one that we're in quarantine with. Or we engage in self-harm or addictive behaviors because we just don't know how to cope. And we don't want to mourn. People say to me, Josiah, I know that you tell me that grief is a gift and I don't want to fucking grieve. And you know what? I don't blame you. I love you and I hear you and I'm sorry. I don't want to grieve either. And I have to be honest, I am still grieving the loss of my job right now. I know it hasn't been taken away from me fully, and people are like, you should be grateful for your time off, and you should be grateful that you still have a job, and that your insurance is paid for, blah, blah, blah. There are no shoulds in life, first of all, so stop shoulding all over me. And two, I want to be the most authentic version of myself. I don't want to just allow gratitude to act as my spiritual bypass. Do you remember this episode from a couple days ago? Spiritual bypass. I'm going to utilize gratitude, thankfulness that I have time off, thankfulness that I still have a job to avoid mourning, to avoid grief, to avoid true pain, authentic suffering, how I actually feel and who I actually am. And Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, 
for they will be comforted. Maybe not now, but that comfort exists. And if it exists in someone else, it exists in you too. So be patient. And if you need someone, ask for help. Please, do not mourn alone if you don't have to. Call someone, Zoom or FaceTime someone, email, write letters. Do what you have to do, but don't do it alone if you don't have to. Okay? Okay, I love you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Take good care of you. And I'll see you tomorrow.